That's a good segue into one quick little segment that uh, we're, we're talking about, we're going to be talking about, and it's a little off the cuff. We didn't prep for this, John, but uh, again, I want to give a shout out to, uh, I believe it was B. Harty, um, because like I said, I was uh, away from the news today, uh, so I couldn't really see a lot of stuff. And uh, unfortunately, I don't really know this young lady who is a local Cincinnati uh, per- per- news personality. But B. Hardy tipped uh, tipped us off here saying, Megan, Mon- I think it's Mongeo, Mongeo from Channel 12 tweeted, indoor practice facility approved by Bengals in Hamilton County. Well, let me, let me back up. It's not approved, so it doesn't mean it's moving forward. But this is a kind of a big deal. It says, according to... This is going back to Megan's uh, Twitter account, and she's at Megan Mongeo on Twitter. According to Commissioner Portune, Bengals will pay, quote, at its sole cost and expense for new new indoor practice facility. Um, But Bengals PR says the lease agreement with county gives them the option to build an indoor practice facility, but no specific plans at this time. Encouraging, not really news. What's your take on it, John? Well, from what I heard, I think they like took the thirty million off the county's hand in order to, to like purchase that land or whatever, and they're like putting off for like the like the end of their lease or whatever. Uh, but I also I don't think I I don't think we ever heard that they had plans to do it because they're an NFL organization. They're they're they're, they're one of the more they're one of the fifty most um, profitable or most valuable organizations in the world. If they wanted a practice facility by now, they could have had one, but they chose to obviously share one with the University of Cincinnati in a bubble that's only open for about five months out of the year. This was a nice move by them. I'll give them credit for that, you know, to, to, to take a little pressure off of Hamilton County. But I, I don't think this, is, this will lead to them doing something that they've just never done before, even if they have the prime opportunity to do so, because Mike is an old dog and you can't really teach him new tricks in that sense. So good move by them, but I don't think it means much going forward for doing something that every other team north of them of Cincinnati has. Yeah. I mean, they've done some baby steps in terms of, I think they've added some, some newer and nicer screens in the stadium. A few years back, they revamped the, the weight, weight room and the locker rooms and all that stuff to kind of give them a facelift and they look nice. And I, I remember the players using social media, kind of bragging about how they looked and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, there's little, little things. Um, I think this indoor practice facility is something that not only the team needs, but is, is an attractant to outside free agents. You know, I mean, it's, it's something when you pursue an outside free agent and you don't have this and per, perhaps someone like Minnesota, because Mike Zimmer and Marvin Lewis probably like to covet some similar players in free agency. Minnesota has it. Cincinnati doesn't. That may, that may make a difference to, to an outside free agent coming uh, to a potential team. Who knows? But it is a sign, again, we talked about this team not really – Oh, keeping up with the times in a lot of respects, and this this seems to be one of those things. But have you ever seen Minnesota's facility though? I it, was like, it was like built like two years ago when the new stadium was, and it's it's gorgeous. It's I like it, it's got all the, like the the offices and stuff along with the field. It's more than just a practice facility, and I just there's just no reality that the Bengals are ever going to dish out that much money to invest in their players and coaches. Unfortunately, yeah, it's sad. I mean, if if 
it, it's just a sad, sad reality to face, I guess, uh, as, as a Bengals fan and, and as a Bengals employee, you would think that, I mean, you, the coaches don't, uh, these are older coaches. Some of these guys, they don't like being out in the cold and the snow oh, and all sure. that kind of stuff. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a harsh reality to face. Something may be changing uh, in the near future based on these tweets. Again, thank you to B. Hardy in our uh, in our live YouTube chat for a little bit of the tip off there. I hadn't seen that, but I, as as I read that, I looked on her Twitter account and saw that, and uh, very interesting. Obviously, if something happens, we will keep you updated on this show and as well as uh, on Cincy Jungle. Speaking of CincyJungle.com, you can get our show there. You can get it on Art19, iTunes, you can get it on YouTube, you can get it on Google Play and Stitcher, so please do so. We've received a lot of feedback uh, and, and a lot of new subscriber, subscribers lately, so thank you very much for that. We're going to be taking, we're still taking texts throughout the, so, the show, uh, so if you want to get in touch with us at any time via text, uh, you can get in touch with us, 949-542-6241, or... Uh, you can give us a call, 949-542-6241, towards the end of the show when we uh, when we are taking some calls. We've already got some questions queued up, but uh, we'll try and get to yours and try and get a call or two in if we are able. And I wanted to get to this one first, John, because this was, uh, I, I would assume, a listener who has listened to the show for quite some time, but... They made the comment it is the first time they are able to join the show live, uh, which is cool. And I definitely appreciate that given my screw up yesterday in terms of misleading some of the listeners. Um, it was in the Cincy Jungle comment thread. It's from Jim and Redding. Uh, first time streaming live. Does Jackson's return make you think he's next in line for the head coach? Um we talked about that a little bit, but also kind of a little, if you want to reiterate your thoughts on that, John, I'll take that. But also the little caveat here, secretly hoping Todd Bowles is our next defensive coordinator. He might be on the hot seat in New York. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, hold on a second. He responded, guess it's not a secret anymore. Did Todd Bowles just get fired? I don't know. I didn't look that up. I hey, hold on a second. Uh, n n never mind. Um, anyways, yeah, Todd Bowles, he had success, obviously, in Arizona. That's what got him the job w w with the Jets. But I just I don't follow the Jets, and I've heard literally no nothing good about him in terms of how he's handled the offense. And um, he's had talent on the defense. A lot of that was a part of, a, like, an exodus in the, in the roles of, of Mohamed Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, obviously Leonard Williams, a good player. So he's had decent talent on the defense, but – I think right now the Jets are raveling, and he's been on the hot seat for like two years. So you know there there are there are some coaches who are just better as coordinators than they are head coaches, and we probably have one at head coach for the last sixteen years. But Bulls will probably fit in that category as well. Um, uh, it, it, when he was with Arizona, he did a lot of good things, and that again, that's what got him the head head coaching job in the first place. But um, yeah, he, he's he's kind of like a proven guy who's you know, had a lot of years in the league and. Obviously, has a lot of a lot of experience, and sometimes that you know you just need a role to kind of humble yourself, and that that may be the role for Bulls. He's probably lasted in Denver longer than I think a lot of us expected he would, based off how everything's going. I don't remember last time the Jets had a winning season; it might might have been like in the Mark Sanchez era, but 
yeah, Bowles would be a, a, like a, like a decent candidate for a new defense coordinator. I'm usually of the notion of bringing some more younger guys in to, to kind of lead the charge of innovation and just how defenses and offenses are evolving. But yeah, Bowles would be Bowles would be a good choice. And obviously, you guys you guys know of my thoughts about Hugh Jackson, so I'll just yeah. leave my thoughts of that. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll concentrate more on the second part of the question from Jim. Um, yeah, like you said, Bowles uh, one of the seems like one of the all-time nice guys in the league, uh, mm. you know, and like some of the other all-time nice guys in the league, Wade Phillips, they are better coordinators than they are head coaches. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I, and we talked a little bit about that potentially being the case with Hugh Jackson as well, being a better coordinator than a, than a head coach. I mean, it's just kind of what, what's, what history has pointed to. Um, you know, a lot of people also – by the way, some of the stuff with Todd Bowles, it doesn't look like he's going to be fired during the season. He'll probably if, – if the Jets don't turn things around, he might get fired after the season. So right. he'll be out there. The other guy that might be out there that, again, has ties to the Bengals and Marvin Lewis is Vance Joseph in Denver. Um, defensive guy, he might not last after this season as well. So those are guys that make sense. I'm going to say this about Bowles, though. Bowles has primarily run a 3-4 defensive look at both in Arizona and in New York, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so the Bengals need to switch up some personnel and, and what they do, or Bowles would have to change his philosophy, um, I think, if he were to come to Cincinnati. So that's something to think about uh, if he were to, to come there. Uh, I'm not intimately familiar with the Jets uh how, what they run, but I th I'm almost positive at times Arizona ran a lot of three, four under his, uh, under his watch. So mm -hmm. something to think about. Um, there was one other question I saw. Oh no, I remember what it was. Duh. Uh, it was actually, there was one on, on Twitter and I think it was more again about, uh, it was about Hugh. <laughs> shocker. Um, Fire and Brimstone, I, I don't know, I, I don't, they follow us, I don't, and I think they kind of follow a lot of different podcasts and a lot of different teams and stuff, but they said, question, what do Hugh Jackson, Norv Turner, Matt Patricia have in common? Answer, great position coach, not so great head coach, good pickup for the Bengals. Um, do you agree with that? Uh, and, and we just talked about position coaches and everything and better assistant than, than head coach. I mean, it's easy to say that with Hugh because the – you know, the, what is it? The three wins in three seasons with Cleveland, but he also did a lot of things in Oakland. They were eight and eight. I went, he lost his starting quarterback, got Carson Palmer, all that kind of stuff um, was run out of town there. They were buying for the playoffs. And most people who know about the Bengals and their shortcomings as an organization probably also know the issues, similar issues with the Raiders and their ownership and all of that. Yeah. They spend some money, but, they're kind of a mess in a lot of aspects as well. So there's a little under the surface stuff with Hugh Jackson as a head coach, but overall, I, I mean, I don't want to make you repeat yourself a ton of times, but just some additional thoughts on that. And if he should just remain a coordinator or position coach and he can be successful in that route. Well, the only, again, the only organization will ever get another head coaching job is here. So if he wants to prove himself for the third time, this is the place to do it. But with you, I, I kind of think that that Oakland season was an anomaly because um, I think someone said this in either the Cincinnati Jones comments or on Twitter. 
he was not the coach that you want, or it was Captain Obvious, the the, the renounced, um, the well-known Bengals fan who goes to a lot of games. He said that Hugh Jackson's not the, the, the kind of coach that you want to really start things from scratch. He's kind of the guy that maybe to take over a team that's kind of already established, that has a culture going. He's not the kind of guy that would that you would want to bring his own culture. And I guess if you want to say that Cleveland's like the worst place for him to do that, then fine, so be it. Regardless, he didn't handle himself at all well, and that's still something that I'm not willing to forgive. But it's kind of like that the opposite of like Marvin Lewis, right? Because Marvin Lewis did a great job of bringing in his own culture to the Bengals and making them at least somewhat competitive after they were just garbage for 12 years. So he's kind of like the opposite of Marvin Lewis in the sense where he can potentially get you from point B to C, while Marvin Lewis can get you from like A to B. But regardless, you know, his personality, it just doesn't, you know, rub off to me as like the, the, the kind that people want to follow behind as a leader. And I think that obviously that bodes well for Morris as an assistant role or just like a, a, an understudy or, or whatever you want to say, or just a, as a coordinator. So obviously Hugh has capped his ma- maximum ability as a coach, as a coordinator. And he, and again, he did that in 2015 with, a very healthy offense, a very potent offense, an offense that he didn't really have much part in building. And he just kind of just maximized, you know, very great talents to the best of their ability. And I don't think that that's too impressive considering when the Bengals didn't have a lot of talent in 2014, a lot of that was injured. They didn't do very well. And it's just the, it's just the fact that more guys were healthy in 2015 and he was just able to do whatever he wanted because he just had talent to work with. So just with all those things, yeah. Um, Jackson is obviously better as a coordinator because he just has less responsibilities as a leader and as a voice of that locker room. And there's less margin for error for him to really royally screw things up and leave a burning building behind. I like that, uh, that take of, um, that take of, you know, Jackson's a guy who can kind of carry the torch maybe as a head coach. Uh, whereas Lewis is a guy that can, and he, we've seen him do it. He's re, basically rebuilt the Bengals three times at least mm-hmm. in his in his tenure with the Bengals and made them successful. Um, but again, he's not the guy to really win those big games, win the playoff games, get a championship. So um, I, I I don't know, and that's that's kind of the conundrum I think Mike Brown has been uh, trying to figure out with Lewis and all of that. Um, there's not much more to say. We've talked a lot about Hugh Jackson. There's not much more to say. And I, we can cross the bridge, I guess, later on when, um, you know, if and when he is named a, a head coach of this team. Um, we're really running running up on time. Uh, I, I guess we'll end with this because this is a good question from Andrew Andrew Seiler, good friend in the live YouTube chat. Do you guys Do you guys think this defense has the talent to turn it around? And do you think it was all on Austin? Now, obviously, the talent to turn it around probably has to do with injuries. We talked a lot about defense and, and maybe what's ahead. But, I mean, do you think that, again, we, can't be much worse, but do you think there's going to be a noticeable difference in tackling, a noticeable difference in getting off the field on third down, a noticeable difference in body language, which I saw was very has been very poor, uh, recently on that side of the ball. Do you think that that stuff is going to change? And if so, is that just basically a general indictment on Terrell Austin? So, it, yeah, to, like, like you said, injuries have played a monumental part in diminishing what talent was on this team at the start of the season because 
a lot of us thought, hey, this is a top five defensive line. This is one of the better secondaries in the league with just the individual talent there. And those two things are going to carry the linebackers who are largely improvement. So now, in terms of tackling getting better, that probably doesn't happen until Nick Vigil gets back on the field. He's been their best linebacker this season. Getting off the field on third down has a lot to do with their pass rush, which has taken a step back since Carl Lawson has torn his ACL. So that's another injury that they have to deal with. And just general body language, I do think that that will probably improve, at least in the, in the early on with Austin out of the door and the players playing for Marvin Lewis rather than Austin, someone that they like, and obviously all, all that. But yeah, injuries are playing a, a large part in detrimenting what this defense once was. And it's really hard to really turn that around 10 weeks into the season. But again, if anybody can do that, it's probably Lewis. But he's, he's going to have to get some of those guys back. He's probably going to get Denard back. He needs uh, Kirkpatrick to be healthy from his concussion. They need to get they need to get Nick Vigil back because he really has carried the linebacking core when he's on the field. And again, like we, we said this before, if Nick Vigil's your best linebacker, you're not, you know, you still have issues there. So, you know, the defensive line still has work to do in terms of compensating without Lawson. I think that's probably the biggest issue that they have is that, you know, they're one of the they are the worst third down defense in the NFL because they just can't, you know, pressure the quarterback to make a bad decision on that money down. And if they can't do that, then the back seven gets eaten up. And then if you can't make those crucial tackles, you know, sure the sticks, those are, that's just first downs piling up and piling up. I think the Saints had like 20 or something in the first half. It was something ridiculous. And a lot of it had to do with Breeze not getting anybody in his face and just finding guys with open spaces because he just had all the time in the world to do that. So it, it, Lewis is going to have to get really creative in terms of how he pressures each quarterback week to week. And I'm glad, obviously, that they that he has some rehashing tackling drills because that has been an issue when you don't have your best linebacker out there. That's always going to be uh, something to work on. Yeah, I loved uh, I loved the um, the tweet you put out this week. Uh, I think it was yesterday, actually. Um, and I, it looked like you grabbed the video clip maybe from uh, – either all 22 or, or something like that. Um, and many of you followed John and I would recommend you do so on Twitter. If you are on Twitter at John underscore Sheeran, uh, basically there's a video clip that says my questions are endless. Gino at edge, <laughs> Hubbard and Brown defending the same spot. Jackson just conceding the first down yet. Yeah, I mean that, and the reason I bring that up and we don't need that to was talk the third down. It. Yeah. It's it just, it's, it's what, it's what we've seen this year and you go, what? And it's kind of like the thing with Paul Gunther where he would put like Carlos Dunlap in coverage, uh, you know, and you're kind of going, well, that just doesn't even make sense. So um, I'm hoping that some of that stuff is not going to take place. I'm hoping that Marvin Lewis, I, I worry about him dumbing down the defense so much that it becomes predictable, but if he can simplify things and get guys reacting and using instincts more, then thinking so much, if that was the problem, then, you know, there's a lot of athletes on that side of the ball. So that'll be good. Once again, I apologize to you and to the listeners about the past couple of days starting late and some different tricks I've been pulling, but appreciate you hanging in there. Appreciate the listeners joining us, submitting questions, all that stuff. Let's hope for a Bengals win over the Ravens, right the ship. Let's hope Lewis has a little, uh, has some tricks to pull out of his, uh, magic hat there. And, uh, get the Bengals to, to six and four and riding the ship for John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenza. We will see you next episode. Thanks again. Who day.
Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.